100% born in the Appalachian Mountains and made in the USA, Timber Ninja Outdoors provides a range of mobile hunting options to accommodate diverse hunting preferences. Whether you prioritize comfort, lightweight design, or versatility, their two-panel and single-panel saddles collection has something for everyone. The Black Belt Nano is the lightest single-panel saddle available on the market, weighing in under a pound. The saddle is designed with the minimalist hunter in mind, focusing on lightweight functionality and breathability. One notable feature is the patent-pending magnetic stick clip system on the side, which allows for convenient transportation of sticks up the tree, as well as a built-in platform holder. The Nano Saddle can be folded up to the size of a Nalgene bottle, enabling easy portability. With a four-way stretch material on the back for a comfortable fit, as well as strategically placed padding for hip pinch relief. You can use code EASTMEETSWEST to get free shipping on any Timber Ninja order. If you try it out and don't like it, send it back within 30 days for a full refund. Learn more at TimberNinjaOutdoors.com and sign up for their email newsletter for exclusive discounts and product drops. When it comes to optics, I get the same question over and over again. What are the best all-around binoculars? Well, it's tough to find something that works in every condition great, but after using a pair of Maven B1.2 10x42s, I think I found them. They feature an 8x or a 10x option, superior low light performance, tack sharp edge-to-edge clarity, a generous depth of field, and a silky focus mechanism. All of Maven Optics have a lifetime no-fault warranty and hail from the great state of Wyoming. I've been using Maven Optics since I bought my first pair in 2017, and I think you should test them out for yourself. Head over to mavenbuilt.com and use the code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT for a free gift with any full price optics order. For all of those that want a truck bed cover for work or play, Diamondback makes the top of the line heavy duty covers that help you do more with your truck. They're perfect for the truck owning, avid sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and weekend project warriors. I'm currently using the HD cover that can is capable of holding up to 1,600 pounds on the top. And then I have the Yakima overhaul HD bars on top so I can put my rooftop tent on it. When I'm not using my rooftop tent and able to use the trifold design of the Diamondback, I have the Crossbin 8 in there to organize all of my stuff in the back of my truck bed. Diamondback is made right here in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania. If you want to check them out, head over to diamondbackcovers.com. If you've wanted that hunting camp tradition that we talk about, that experience, but you don't have a hunting camp of your own, you're welcome to come stay at my hunting camp up here in the Pennsylvania wilds called the Elk Crossing Getaway in the PA wilds. So if you go over to Airbnb, you can check out our three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath house that's right in the heart of Pennsylvania elk country. It's only minutes away from a bunch of public land to be able to hunt, hiking trails, outdoor recreation, fishing, all of those things there. The house is completely fully stocked with everything that you need to be able to, to spend a week hunting deer, taking your family up to see the elk, anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house to send us a message and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. 
Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt Podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, I am joined by my dad, Joe Martonic, the Johnny Stewart, and Mason Martonic. This is my favorite podcast that we do every year. It's our annual deer camp discussion, preparing for the time of year that we look forward to the most, which is, you know, the rut. And we discuss, you know, feeling confident and why we do or we don't and going into spots, dealing with hunting pressure, rut funnels, scouting this time of year and much more. Now, this episode went extremely long, so it is split once again in the two two separate episodes. So we have part one that's coming out right now and then part two that will release next week. So uh, be staying tuned for those. And. On this week's Mountain Buck Monday story of the week, we have a story coming from Chase Chase Moyer out of Pennsylvania and West Virginia. There's kind of two stories that tie into one here, so it's pretty cool. So Chase wrote in, my dad and I have two pretty funny stories from when we both shot bucks and packed them out together. On the first day of rifle season around 2011, my dad and I were hunting some game lands in central PA, sitting about 150 yards apart. About mid-morning, he shot a a seven-point that walked right between us, but I felt like it was closer to him. It died 20 yards in front of me, but 2.30 that day, I harvested a five-point. That's where the real fun began. We previously hauled in our deer cart, but only brought one support beam for it because there was no way we were both getting bucks, right? So we were about two miles deep struggling. The deer cart would roll for about 10 yards and then one support beam would snap off and we'd clip it back on and repeat this routine for a few hundred yards, half laughing, half annoyed. When the rarely heard curse words started flying out of my dad's mouth, I couldn't hold in the laughter. We stood in the dark, still over a mile from the car, bursting with laughter. He eventually hiked out to grab... excuse me, the second support beam, and uh, we made it back to the car several hours after dark that night. I think from then on, we always remembered that second support beam. The second story is from last year's first day of the West Virginia rifle season in 2022. We hiked in together just over three miles to our spots, again sitting about 150 to 200 yards apart. At first light, he shot one of his biggest bucks to date, a dandy 10-point, and about an hour later, I shot one of my nicer bucks, a 6-point. We now usually butcher in the field, so now, so no, there was no support beam to leave behind this go-around. We got our deer cleaned up and ready to go. Throwing our heavy packs over our shoulders at the same time, we began busting out laughing at the amount of weight we were carrying and how far we had to go. Dad had the same funny look as he did 12 years ago in the PA woods. With many breaks, we managed our way back to the truck. These are two memories I certainly will never forget. Growing up and getting to hunt with your dad is one of the most special things a boy can do. It is what I look forward to the most every year. I don't have a picture handy from our PA hunt, but this is one from our West Virginia hunt. Well, that's a pretty awesome story, Chase, and and definitely something uh, I think any of us can relate to uh, if if you get to hunt with your father and lucky enough to be able to do so. And those those stories, those are the ones that you remember the most. It doesn't really matter the the deer, what it was. It's just those those types of stories and moments in the field. So hopefully you have some more of those. And uh, congrats again. Uh, I have the the photos over on. Instagram, East Meets West Hunt, and Facebook, East Meets West Outdoors. You can check those out over there. 
And uh, if you have a mountain buck uh, submission you want to send in, send it to my email, bowdeastmeetswesthunt.com. And, uh, you know, a few photos and a short story there. would love to be able to share it with everybody. So thanks for everyone that has sent them in up until this point. In other news, before we get into this episode, I just launched the 2022 PA deer hunt video, went live on YouTube. It's it's seemingly getting a lot of traction so far. Uh, this is not a well-produced film. This is my like kind of vlog-style video, self-filmed. I did all of the filming and editing of just my season as I was chasing a particular deer, and then uh, ended up coming together. And I'm not gonna. I'm not going to share the whole story here. You can go over and watch it if you'd like, but, uh, man, I I was really pumped with how it, how it ended up turning out. And I think a lot of people can relate to it as last year was a struggle of a year. So when it finally came together, it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, other news. So I have uh, the Q and a episode that just launched uh, on Friday that was all about, I was getting so many questions about gear and gear and what gear I'm carrying this and that. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I haven't spent three years since I did a gear dump video. I just took my pack, put it on the table, emptied everything out of it and talked about what I had there. Normally the Q and a episodes are only 10 to 20 minutes. This one is roughly 27 minutes. So it was a little bit longer to go through everything, but, uh, hopefully you enjoy it. It's probably better watched on YouTube than listened to, but either way you can get the gist of it. And I also have an article on, um, on my website on under the blog, eastmeetswesthunt.com slash journal, where you can view, uh, my whole gear list written out with links to all the gear that I have and everything there too. So you can check that out. Uh, if you're listening to this, the day that launches Sika just gave me a code that is only valid through today, uh, which is October 31st, Halloween. And, uh, you can save 20% by using the code EMW 20. Sika does. I've never had a code from them to be able to give away, so this is pretty a pretty limited opportunity. But check it out. Some products that are excluded are Jetstream, Stratus, and Fanatic. Um, so understand, not all products are included in this, but most of them are. I would highly recommend you take a look at the Merino 330 hoodie, which I talk about in that gear video. Some of the ambient stuff. Um, and uh, the Timberline pants, like those are some options I would definitely uh, take a look at and and try to save some money on them while you can. And lastly, thanks everyone for listening so so much. The support that I've received through this podcast over the years, and especially here recently, has been phenomenal. So thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends, your family, whoever you think it could help out. And uh, leave a rating review wherever you're listening to it. That all helps out so much. Your word of mouth spreading this does way more than any sort of marketing can do. So thank you so much. And uh, happy Halloween. All right. We're live. Johnny, what were you saying about that hat? You said I didn't get you one? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I did. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think by the look on your face that you no, really, have one and I lost don't. it. No, I honestly. Really? I don't have one. No. Oh, I'll have to get you one of those. Yeah, uh, the Sitka the, camo. The, the Sitka East meets West ones. Yeah. I'll that's think. that's sick. Sick. I kept I kept a couple out just for for special people so maybe i can help you out but you got the timber ninja one on so that's not not too bad either yeah. i want to point something else out since he gets 
before we get started here too. So last year we did this podcast. Johnny made fun of me because I had a ricochet shot in Montana. So everybody was making fun of me in South Dakota because I gave myself a bad haircut. But Johnny missed a spot right here. If you want to show show these guys, what I did? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> what my hair? He's growing a rat tail back there. <laughs> move your hand, right move your hand, Johnny. Move your hand. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. It's a little, little heavy there. I don't know. Maybe he's just balding. Well, I did cut my own hair, and my old lady was busy, so I was down there like this. Mason did it for South Dakota, and uh, you had this just stripe going down the back. Look like a skunk. Yeah. <laughs> it was all the same color. Yeah, but it was uh, it was pretty pretty rough. We had to make him put a hat on for it. But that's the only place I got hairs back there. So I left a little bit. Mm. Yeah, you look you look cleaned up. Look, yeah, you gave yourself a haircut. Yeah, you know, nice. Oh yeah. You thought about trying the mustache out? It's growing, bro. I mean, I gotta shave this. Yeah, you gotta shave the rest of it. If I get desperate, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, Mason like, had it's one early yet. Mason had one in South Dakota, and he already went full full beard now. Yep, went back to it. But or do you do you consider the rut stash lucky or not, Mason? I uh, I had a rut stash for for two different hunts. No, three hunts: one Pennsylvania hunt, and two South Dakota hunts, and I shot a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> and I only got one deer out of all those hunts. <laughs> okay, so not... I go back to beard, I'm pretty deadly. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. But I, I shot my biggest buck with a mustache, so I'll give you that. Yeah. That, well, that, when do you start that? It's not the rut yet. I mean, we got a couple... Maybe a half a yeah, week. Yeah, no, a it's, week. It's it's rut time. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You got to be. You gotta always be prepared for it. Oh. Because it can start at any time. You can't be... In, having intel that's too late you know what i mean by the time rut starts you missed it yeah so just a thought but anyways so (laughs) now to get rolling with the podcast here so last year we did uh an episode that was uh just like this sitting here at the table here um and is actually one of the most downloaded two-part series that that i had the entire time that or that i've ever had i guess from the in the podcast so it was uh pretty good so i figured i'd utilize you guys again and bring you back in and it was fun just to hang out and talk and actually after that podcast uh mason called a shot and he got his opportunity on the date that he said he would yeah i believe that's how that worked yeah i just it took a second try on the book but i I got, I got my shot. Yeah. Put his mark on it the first time. Yep. Yeah. Bullseye. And uh, I guess before we get too far, I should should uh, say that since not uh, not everybody's watching on YouTube in the audio version, so we have Johnny Stewart here uh, off to my right, and then Mason Martonic, and then my dad, Joe Martonic. So we got the whole, whole crew here, and uh, by the time this goes out, it'll be right before the rut so it'll be you know a couple weeks here for we're recording this on the 18th last year we recorded on the 20th so we're getting pretty close to the same same time of year and it's uh johnny's already once again two years in a row on the board in west virginia you know just out there getting it done and you've been you've been on some deer like pretty crazy so far yeah it's been a good year Uh, in pa early that's a good area they're browsing and with that hot weather, they were downloaded to creeks and browse, and it just spelled like a good recipe. Like you know, and we we got on a two two of them hanging out in the same area, a real wide ten, probably maybe one sixty, you know, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, real big deer. You say, you say that like so nonchalant, you know? Like, <laughs> <"Well, I'm> sexy. <laughs> I gotta be honest, John. If there wasn't actual film of it, I, I'd have a hard time believing you. All the all the sightings you've been having, but, <laughs> You're probably but, right. but you've documented it all. We, oh yeah, we, I mean, we got film. Yeah, uh, Harry's got Harry been, here. He's been over there filming. He's been, filming me here all year and we killed the one in west virginia every time we went out it was like you know we did a little um the intro and it kind of like went as planned you know up till this point but yeah every time we went out an unbelievable season for you so far for encounters it was great like and had to bow back on a shooter at 50 and shot one in west virginia then a big wide one and even last week in ohio like you know, we were heading up a hollow, and I said, we're going to get set up on its hillside. It was before light, and just another 100 yards. They're going to where they bed down, and there's a blow down there. And we we had to go 100 yards and get set up, and big, deep snort. Whoosh, right? I'm like, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Man, we had a lot of good encounters. And I think it was because of the warm weather and and being down low near creeks and, and browse and, and now we're up here in pa and checked a couple cameras in that area where the browse is and um it's like dead and downloads too it, it's the cooler time of the season and they're up higher and the beach is starting to fall and really might be tough so we're gonna actually maybe go back to scout namar you know i don't have a t- like you know i was really thinking that area with that browse was going to be good even till you know, up in, until now, but it doesn't seem like so much wait, is happening. Wait, no, there's no acorns there? That's all browse that you're hunting? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, no, we had an encounter with a big six. We That was in some That acorns. was in a uh, little patch of oaks. That was uh, the first Saturday. Um, yeah. Probably, he was probably 20, at least 20 inside, and he just had oh. twos, big long twos, and his brows were pretty good, probably four to five. Um, we had him on a cell cam or, or a trail cam not that summer the summer before actually looked like it got a little smaller but uh we were hunting a big seven there and we didn't see that in his big six he just showed up eating acorns out on a point and he laid down chewed his cud you know and hair's like is he getting up i'm like no he's he's down for the count and then i started <laughs> it was you know he's it was probably feeding for an hour he laid right on that point wind at his back looking at the leeward side pretty windy and uh I don't think I had a grunt call and I had Harry's water bottle and I tied a string to it, tried like bounce it on the ground, like a deer walk. And he just looked up for and he's chewing his cud, like he's like looking at us. <laughs> then, then I threw the water bottle at him <laughs> just to get him to stand up. It was 45 yards. I didn't have a shot, you know? Oh yeah. Were you trying to shoot him? If he would have came in, I think the first six, Oh yeah, he's wide as anything. Oh yeah, have. I saw the video on Instagram that you he's posted. Really that, wide. Was a, that was a big body deer. And yeah. Like he just had, he's just kind of an ugly looking thing. But he you know, he's needed to be taken out of the herd. I think his genes are bad. But do you have any responding to calls this early season at all? Just the water bottles. All I've been using. <laughs> 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 I didn't have a grunt call. I said, man, I could use a grunt call right now. So I tried. Then I was had a limb, I'm busting in a tree, like, you know, and threw the water bottle, and he just lay there chewing his cut, like, he's like, like, looking at us, you know, like, and then I climbed down the tree, and I started scratching the ground, because we were getting down in here, it was probably 10 minutes of light, you know, 
And then he's like, I got to get out of here. Some hoodlums over there making some noise. He said, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, we seen that buck. It was like every time we went in the woods, how I planned it. But I think I was just early season. Yeah, there's a little patch of oaks. And I think they're gone now. We were going to go over there. But I think they're, most of them are rotted then. And um, just being around, around browse and water, you know, and, and the West Virginia deer was uh, just as close as I can get to I having a deer tied to the tree. I mean, there was one single oak falling further out the ridge down near the point about 120 yards from that single oak was a cluster oaks and and they're loaded and they're just not dropping and we got near that single oak you know um the day before and it was i think it was 80 degrees and boy did that deer move slow they just moved slow in that weather but it dropped what it was it was a ridge it went down and there was some cut to the to the north and they would always come out of that cut into the open woods right so um it, it, the wind was blowing from the oak into that um cut so we didn't get to where we wanted to hunt that oak because the our wind would go down in that cut but since it was 80 degrees no deer come out of that cut there was a steep drop off and there was a little bench down i could see on spartan forge and then there was a creek it was only maybe 150 feet down to the creek um but they all the deer come up because it was so hot they come up out of there i never would have like i learned something like like, wow that heat's really making them live differently because last year they would just pour out of that cut you know and i couldn't hunt an east wind because it went in so this year i went in an east wind and we sat way back 80 yards from the oak tree and i let my wind go into the cut but it was a steep drop off to where i know they weren't bedded because it went it went like this and then it was gradual out like downwind of that oak tree and that's where they all bed in there and um so we set up here just to observe. Maybe they come this way. We seen two buck, five, six doe under that oak. It was just like a herd of deer just milling, you know, from 4.30 on. So I said, tomorrow night we're going to – it was calling for a south wind, which wouldn't have been good. But south – you know, I said, we'll have to get on a low side of a tree. Make a long story short, we got there the next night at 4 o'clock, and it was like 80 degrees. It was a due east again, due east. I said, well, this is a no-brainer. We'll let our scent blow down in that cut. And we'll watch that oak tree, and it was a little button buck. Then uh, that buck come out of 515, just like I looked at my watch, like, well, Harry, it's about time. I looked over the hill, here you come, right up over the hill, right to that oak tree. <laughs> oh, man. So were you were you at that point with the wind due east, and you said you're letting blow in the cut, were you sitting like right over top of that oak tree? Yeah, downwind 30 yards. Okay. Yeah. And letting the wind go right in the cut, which I would have never did that last year. A cooler temperature, they all come right out of that cut. Mm. But it was a gradual cut, browse, and then there was no oaks last year either. So that was our main food source. They would come into them open woods, and they would walk that ridge line. And I think maybe a farmer six, eight hundred yards had a field. I think they were had trails going up that ridge. Just the does would march up, then the bucks, and that's why I sat up the hill the day before, thinking, well, maybe that's still the case, as they're going to come out of that and just work our way up, and they'll be in open woods. But um, they it was so hot and. How how did you know that that was the only oak that was dropping? Were you scouting in there before? Like did I you... went in there September. I had to put a camera in August where I sat the eighty yards up the hill because I shot a doe there or a buck there last year. He come out at a cut right there, kind of right in that area. So I went out um, and, and I did when I put that camera in August. I seen a single oak and down on the on the point. I had an, I put another camera with a cluster oaks down there. I said, well, that's that's going to be the hot spot. I didn't really worry about the single oak. So then I went back like September 15th or something to check cameras. I said, well, I'll go in at noon. 
and I uh, went in at noon, hotter time of the day. But when I got out of my car, I said, man, it's pretty cool for, for a September day. You know, I said, man, they might be up there. So I got up there and I grabbed my camera um, where I shot my deer the year before. And I, I, I was heading down the hill. I had one single oak and then my camera on a cluster oaks. And I just went slowly. And at noon, I caught that nine point, the one I shot, feeding under that single oak, and he'd never come up for air. His head was down, but it took like a video. It took him for a minute and 20 seconds to put his head up. So um, I was like, wow. And we got out of there, and, you know, two weeks go by, the season rolls around, and um, I figured we got we to gotta get in there. And, and uh, we got in there, and that single oak was, it was uh, definitely, or when, I, yeah, and when I, saw that buck i went down checked my other camera at that cluster oaks there wasn't an acorn on the ground hmm. but that single oak it was there was dirt under there and I, i'm like man and i figured two weeks the season's gonna roll around oh I'll, this one will be dried up i'll be down at that cluster oaks two weeks roll around and uh we went in there and that that i didn't even go down to that other one because that thing was dirt you know what i mean white oak or no red oak, red oak. i'm pretty sure it was a red oak i know the ones down lower red oaks um mm -hmm. but so yeah that was that was weird and um i checked them the other day and they're still not falling them lower ones you know wow. and there's another deer in there about the same size as the one i shot and i got two tags so i might hmm getting a little greedy huh no <laughs> just <eat. laughs> i'm just kidding but it was really wild this you know you learn shit just I would have never let my wind blow in that cut, but I'm like, well, but yeah, the first man we hunted on and off for two weeks, like four days on, and it just, I could, I mean, it was a perfect season, like everything where I thought they would be, they were, but you know, now things are changing, and up here the beach are coming on, and the browses, you know, you've been eating briars all all summer, you want a little something different if you can get it, you know, acorns or, or maple leaves and whatever they might be, but. um see what happens from here I, I don't know yeah it's funny johnny and i were talking on the phone the other day and i was like we haven't started hunting you know me mason and 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 my dad here we we were in south dakota the whole first week and then by the time you come back and everything like we're you know i feel like i'm just starting to like you know i'm, I'm getting excited and just starting to get in the groove of starting to hunt here as of october 18th and Johnny's got like a full season under his belt already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Kind of, it's kind of funny, but Mason, you, you've been out a little bit scouting now, haven't you? Kind of, are you just, are you planning kind of for the run at this point? Yeah. That's a, I feel like I'm, I'm starting at ground zero right now. Right. Like, uh, uh, I was in the woods a lot in the spring scouting in the spring. And then this all the way through summer up into my, my Western hunts, I'd like next to nothing. I, I might have, six hours in the woods oh that's bad Mason. but I, you know i i got a, i got a lot of good spots I, yeah. I i don't have a buck right now that i'm in love with which is it's pretty refreshing to you know just go out and just you know just try and shoot a mature buck so i'm excited about that so this weekend i'm just gonna really get the boots to the ground and and tr try and try and figure something out i have a lot of spots and probably bounce around bounce around a lot this year and see mm -hmm. what happens yeah no that's it, it, I'll I'll be interested uh, to see what, how you feel about it because you've been chasing you know basically a single deer for the last four years you know it's it's yeah. nice to have something a little bit different and, you know I'm kind of in the same boat this year where there's deer I'd love to shoot but nothing that like I was just telling I think I was telling you dad that I was mm -hmm. like there's nothing that like 
or I was telling somebody, I was like, there's nothing that just fires me up so much that I want to just like go all in, which is, is a, is a cool thing at the same time. It's kind of, it's kind of stressful from the aspect of, I have so many spots and I feel like I don't know where to start. Like, I don't know where I want to be and where I want to go. And I have so many spots and it's just, that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling right now it's like I, I i don't know i don't have anything that i have some that i have some history with i know where i'm going to be between october 27th and 30th around that time frame i've got a spot that i i plan on being at but other than that it's like i really don't know yet and uh so that'll be kind of fun for us to do that what about you you dad no i my cameras um haven't been real active um as far as you know, uh, bigger bucks. Um, I did have some here uh, in August on some food sources. Uh, I, I found some oaks that um, they're they're done. Though we were in South Dakota when it was probably prime time to hunt them. Mm-hmm. I come back and uh, waited a day and went in there and uh, there was nothing left. No, yeah. not even a squirrel running around. Um, but um, my, you know, the history of my cameras though they. Usually don't start getting hot until that last last week of October, as far as showing me what I'm I'm going to try to target. Um, I'm hoping uh, some of these bigger bucks that I haven't been able to find this summer. Every year I try to find them in the summer, but they just kind of show up during a rut or during, you know, uh, the, the 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 pre-rut, and uh, you know I'm banking on that on a lot of them. Um, but some of these other good bucks that I did have on those oaks, uh, you know, I'm reaching out with cameras now trying to find where they're coming from yeah. or where they may rut. And I have some ideas uh, from doing my my spring scouting in there. And, uh, um, you know, I have some scrapes. I got to move these cameras off the food and uh, get them down onto scrapes in that area, which I need to do that this weekend. Um, so hopefully that turns up something good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, going off a of camera history as far as the scrapes that get hot certain times of the year and, and uh, hopefully it pans out for me again. Have you ever wanted to have Levi Morgan, Andy May, Johnny Stewart, and others available at all times? Well, you can with CyberScout from Spartan Forge. CyberScout is like the chat GPT for outdoors men and women. You can ask it any questions related to bow building, scouting, hunting, survival, and a whole lot more. I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at SpartanForge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. Yeah. No, that's... um. 
Yeah. And it's, it's probably good for people to hear what you just said about like a lot of times you don't even have like a deer you want to chase and stuff until, mm-hmm. you know, that time frame because I, I feel like it, you look at it and you think, oh, I'm behind. Like, I don't know of a deer. I remember, Mason, I remember you with this before. You didn't know you had a deer to chase until you saw that. That was a big 10 point, or he might have had other points. Yeah, I think he had more than 10 points, but the, the biggest one you ever shot, you didn't yeah. know you were chasing him until you first saw him, and then the game was on for the next week or two or yeah. whatever. But Yeah, it's a matter of finding them. You know, and it's, you know, I, I think about some of my camera setups, and, you know, you know I, I run them some of them on scrapes year round and you know you look at to date what i got on there just says there's not even a shooter on some of them but i know it's going to turn on mm-hmm. them. but you know if as a first if i was just reaching out throwing a camera on a scrape and check it for a couple months and nothing there i'd be pulling it moving it somewhere else but my camera history says not to do that yeah i think that's where i'm at now like i was really banking on him first week or so and i was really hell bent on on that now i feel like i gotta that's what i'm gonna do start putting them on scrapes and kind of like yeah like you said reach out i know those deer that i was after not they're not far but they're not doing the same thing they're just you know and i'm not just gonna told harry so we're not just gonna go sit in a tree and just you know based off of what we knew a little about summertime you know i say i I can't do it because things are we went down in there, pulled the first camera. I said, I said what do you think? He said, I'm getting a trailer. No, we'll go pull them other three. And it was like dead down in there. And I said, things are changing, man. We got to, you know, go back to the drawing board, literally, you know. What, what are you looking for to get get back on them? I would like to find some scrapes or up in this area. Um, I haven't hunted this area till this year. I just noticed the, uh, the, the cuts in there, the herbicide spray, and it's, it's got gotten ripe here two years so i moved in there hard and, and i knew early season they were summer they were there i do some spotting at night there was always deer there and picked them two good deer up and so i'd like to find them deer but man there's a lot of up on the top there's a lot of beach brush and beech trees like 30 year old i mean there's some smaller shit but i mean into the six eight ten inch and then like joe said the bigger ones and, and they leave them when they do herbicide spray and different. They leave those, you know, the big mature ones. But we just drove the roads and there's just beach nuts out through out the wazoo. Just like I'm like, it's beach brush and up on the top. And it's like, hey, they could be up there. And it's like, mm. I don't even know how to get to them. So I might have to go to another spot altogether. Um, some of my older spots that maybe have scrapes and stuff. So I don't, I'm studying Spartan Forge here before you guys got here. And probably in the morning, I'll get up and. You know, if I don't, I can't sit in a tree and just like, you know, I hope a deer's there. So if I got, we might sit in the morning for a few hours, but I'm going to get some boots on the ground. And, and um, well, what's it, what's it take for you to, you say, you know, you don't want to hope, but what's it take for you to be like, you feel like you're confident. Does it take the trail cam pictures? Does it take the sign, like a combination? What, what are you looking for that makes you be like, all right, now it's time to yeah, sit. I think, uh, out. the cameras, but also sign. If you don't, if you go check a scrape that, you know, you like had some historical, you know, data with that, there's some good deer in the area. I'll, I'll get on that, and then just if it if you know if it lays out right, you're close to. I think you still got to be like these deer. I'm thinking they're probably laying up in that beach brush, chomping on beach all day. There, these big ones ain't ready mm-hmm. to. I don't think there, there's some doe that come into heat around the 20th, but I don't think they're ready. All of them, you know, most of them, you're 
they're just laying all day and putting down scrapes at night. But something I just got to have that some type of feeling, a um, little bit of confidence. I think that I I know I got to tell myself that I know deer. There's a good chance, percentage wise, that a deer is going to come through here before light or, or before dark. You know, or early in the morning, um, maybe close to some bedding and where does are. But you just got to um, you know, there's a lot of different situations, but you just got to be have some confidence if i start hoping you're like if i start hoping to see a deer I, I tell myself i'm getting out of here i mean like i gotta know that the deer are using that and they're coming through and it's a deer that i want to shoot to some degree you know um like i don't know odds or percentage i, I don't know but um something you know a little bit in your favor yeah you know, what you, you said about the doe though is, is important because you know i'm not you know through my cameras through the summer here you know i'm not picking up any, you know some shooters or in some spots but if i have a lot of doe i'm noting that yeah i mean and that's why these bigger bucks do show up during the rut mm-hmm. you know so because them doe they, they they don't move like a buck in, in my opinion anyways or my experience it seems like you have your doe families that stay they may follow the food and, and relocate within a certain area but um you know once you get where that's at and you know like you said the beach and if the deer the does are in there we know them bucks are going to yeah. come just a matter of when yeah no i mean i, th- I think that makes sense and I, and I think you explained that well as far as like you know it's a combination of things and, and the thing you're saying about the the hot sign with the scrapes like i think for me this year is i'm transitioning and trying to learn from the last couple of years one mistake i think that that i was making was i was so hard on that historical data which i still think that's super important in those dates and everything but if i get there and it's like there's no sign of them there i can't just hope that it's gonna work out that way it might but i've been burned the last couple of years during times when i probably could have took advantage of it because it wasn't now by the time you find it and it looks hot, you might be too late, but I think I'm kind of willing to risk that at this point to, and I'm not saying camera data, even just the, just deer sign that's there and, and the scrape being tore up or there right, it yep, goes, you know, yep. like that for, for mostly thinking of pre-rut kind of late October type time frames for that, you know, the rut's a little bit different, um, as far as, as far as that goes. Cause, but I don't know, that's, that's kind of, kind of my thoughts, but. What about you, Dad? Like, what are you what are you kind of thinking with with that as you get into like late October and early November? Well, um, you know, I'm doing some scouting still. You know, I've been out, uh, you know, probably three or four times so far since we've been back from South Dakota, and uh, most of it's on the ground uh, scouting and uh, looking for the fresh sign to drop a camera, move cameras, checking cameras. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, like, you know, I mentioned I I do rely on the historical data, but you're right. It it can burn you. It can definitely burn you. Um, so you got to read the sign, you know, leading into it, you know, is it starting to heat up from the other side? Because not everything passes in front of the camera either. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's dead, yeah, I may put an X on that and may regret it later or maybe not. But, or even uh, come back and check it in a week. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's hard to balance, too, with is it just not happening yet and i got to be here when it happens or is it not it's just, they're just not here this year. Well, then there's the other part of it, too, is the, the access. You know, I've said it before is, you know, I've had, you know, I have cameras out there that I'm never going to hunt this year. I'm just, they're, they're a monitoring camera. And uh, they may, I might find one that's really hot, you know, from I 
end of October to middle of November. Following year, I go in there for you know. But if I don't have good access, this is like it. I kill the spot mm-hmm. with my presence. It's oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, I've done that before, and so you know, it's just playing off of you know what's huntable, and if it's not, you know, how can you get on the outskirts of it and and, and make the best of it and still play off of that? Yeah, and play <laughs> off of it. You know, they're going to be there, even though you can't be down in there. Where can you be? Mm-hmm. You know, where are they bedding? Where are they coming from? What what's bringing them there? You know, where's the food source this year versus other years when things happen? What wind were they moving on? You know, looking at all that. And, and that's something I've been doing the last few nights here is, you know, going through my data and, and the wind directions and and uh, just refreshing my memory on that, you know, for, you know, where I, you know, and taking notes of where I want to be at what time and what winds, what stands or stand locations, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's, that's, that's hard as far as like the other thing too, that I, it's, it's hard to know is like, as far as the pressure standpoint, I mean, you can kind of see it, but one thing that, that we were talking about is there's, there's so many more cameras out in the woods now, specifically cell cameras. But one thing I was thinking about with it, cause I was like, you know, kind of disgusted to a, a degree of finding so many cell cameras and all this stuff. And I know a lot of it's, you know, I, I talk about running a ton of cameras, it's probably half my fault, but like, but I look at it, but actually I think you can look at that as a, as a positive too, from the standpoint of, especially cell cameras. I feel like most guys aren't hunting spots that they have a cell cam unless they're getting deer on it. And you know, here in, in the big woods, like, you don't get a whole lot of deer on it. So like you, you can like, just because there's a camera there doesn't mean someone's hunting it actively. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd always like, I'd always come across a camera in the woods and be like, Oh, someone's got this spot, you know, and leave, you know, the more I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this, like there's, there's this balance for me of like, you know, someone found this spot. I don't want to hunt it. I want to be respectful to it. But at the same time, if you get a guy like me, that's got 50 cameras out there, I don't own the woods. Mm-hmm. Like, so technically, like, you know, if someone's got a tree stand there, I leave it alone. But if it's like, okay, if someone's got a camera there and there's good sign around, there's no one hunting time, I'll probably hunt somewhere close to yeah. it and and be okay with it. Like, I, I, I've i kind of come to that conclusion in the last few days based off of just what I've, what I've seen from that. But, like, that's that's tough to... Tough to get past, and also on, and also tough to understand wh- how much that's actually impacting. Where I think cell cams are helping because people aren't in the woods as much, you know, mm-hmm. as far as they're not going and checking SD cards mm-hmm. and putting that additional yeah, pressure on. Um, that that was something I was I've been thinking about, but uh, I don't know. I just trying to trying to understand like how that all throws into the the mix of it. You know, like there's so many things. Like I just talked about in that podcast with Jake a few weeks ago. It was just like you know, logging coming in, you got a spot, spot to be logged. One of my main spots after that podcast with Jake, I found out that it's getting logged and like the herbicide sprayed the other cut that was next to it. I'm like, everything has changed. Like I felt really good about this area and everything has changed. And that's just the the nature of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just moving. And, and Mason, I mean, you, I know you hunt a lot of areas that have, a, you know, a ton of hunting pressure and stuff. And like, how do you work off of that? Especially like, as you come into the rut, I mean, Obviously, I, I try and avoid it if I can, but it, it gets to a point too where it feels like everywhere you go, there's there's other people in some of my spots. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this year, I actually moved the the areas I, I've kind of I've been in the last couple of years. And, and and when I say areas, it's 
it's a it's a real big area and i i'll kind of have sections of it that i kind of focus on depending on where the deer is i want i want to hunt that year so this year there's no there's no up-and-comers that i was really wanting to try and find and see what was going on so i actually shifted shifted a few miles and it it almost seems like the competition's worse <laughs> so, so so i had I had six cameras in this in this kind of this new zone that i i checked that this past sunday and four out of six of my cameras were tampered with oh right? so, man so i think i think you get one bad egg in there and they they're they're pulling people's sd cards out and checking them and deleting pictures and maybe mm-hmm. maybe even keeping the sd cards and i think everybody else is retaliating on everybody else that might not be yeah, the right person. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I think there's some of that going on. I, I think – oh, go ahead. I'll, I'll, good. I was going to say, I, I did get a, a picture of a – or actually quite a few pictures of a, a Big Ten on, on one of the cameras that wasn't tampered with. And uh, he, he's a real good buck, but it, at the same time, it's, it's like there's – seems like there's a lot of people in that area. And I'm, I have another area. I just checked some cards today and, and did a little scouting and – and, uh, I have three shooters in there. They're not as big, but for this, like this year, you know, I'm just looking for a good mature buck. They're, they're big, beefy body bucks and some, some heavy racks, just short beams and short tines, but mature bucks. That's this year. I kind of just want to get away from the pressure and, and just try and shoot a good buck. Well, and, but no, you can't Mason. You said when you came back <laughs> in Colorado and you shot, so for anyone that doesn't know, Mason shot a big drop time mule deer in Colorado. And you said, your goal is to shoot a drop time whitetail. Oh, <laughs> so don't try to just backtrack. I think he's feeling lazy. Just you know, because John? you didn't pick one up on camera yet, don't yeah. rule it out. I don't know if I've ever he had, had a move picture. He shot all the big bucks in his area, <laughs> someone else's area. There were none left. <laughs> yeah, that, that's shot a, them all. That's my stretch goal. That's your, okay. All right, gotcha. Yeah, so, that's your stretch so goal. I'm still, I'm still looking for that drop time buck. So if anyone's got one and want to send Mason some coordinates and, you know, challenge him with it and see if he can do it, you know, send him over, right? Yeah, send, send him my way. <laughs> I, I talked to Bo the other day. I said, man, have, have a lot of spots, you know, don't, you know, even though I got four or six spots, man, it's good. And, like, all of them are already gone, whether logging and where the guy drug his ladder stand in and put it up and then <laughs> – yeah, we put a little pressure on one, and, and I don't know if that had too much to do with it, but then now we're transitioning into maybe more rut and out of the summer thing, so things change fast. And now I find myself like, oh, man, now i got to go back to the drawing board. But if you got enough – you know, I have other – I just need to check them. But, man, what's, have, what's the advice you gave me? Because you, you gave me some really strong advice <laughs> over text, and I wasn't sure if you were saying it just like out of like – you know, just talking through, or if you were like somehow concerned for me, like I wasn't sure <laughs> where the motives came from, but it was good. It was good advice. I forget. What was it, though? You, you said, don't, don't put pressure on yourself. Um, don't hunt spots that, that you're not confident in. Scout, scout, scout way more than you hunt. Something along those lines. But it was like, it was like a poem. Like <laughs> wow. wow johnny's becoming a poet yeah like it was it was i i, I felt like relief when i read it you know i'm like you know like, yeah i remember yeah i said have have a lot of i forget what i said i i got an idea every one of these water bottle bottle water bottle calls you say i'll put a poem on <laughs> yeah. the back of it yeah. a poem on every one there of we them. go johnny's yeah. signature water bottle yeah we'll sell them through Call. timber ninja yeah that's a good idea <laughs> The Johnny Johnny Stewart signature water bottle. What was I call. telling a guy today? Uh, 
kind of like a fortune cookie, you know, the, the, what poem's on this water bottle? I was telling uh, a guy today that won one of Bill's veterans hunt, and uh, I told him, you know, good kid hunted with him last winter. I said, Jake, you ever need any help? Give me a call. So he's down in Tennessee trying to get a deer. And I said, uh, he's hunting this little patch of woods. It's kind of fields around and have bucks laying in that patch. And I was telling him, he's like, man, you got to, I said, he got all the chips. You only got a couple chips, but you're still playing poker. I said, you can win though, but he's got, you know, he got the odds and you got to give him most of the chips where he feels comfortable playing, man. I'm winning. You know what I mean? But you you got still got a couple chips. You're still in the game, you know. But you could still win with them couple chips. You could, but you got to kind of give him like I was telling him about the wind. How you got like give him what he wants, you know. But you you got a little bit on your side. You have a couple chips. He got all the chips, and you know maybe he's here, and the wind just kind of goes like this, and you're here. You know what I mean? And he was asking me about this spot, and, and I was telling him it was you know good kid. He was saying. Man, this is, he's like, man, I had to call you, John, because this is a hard spot. I know this buck's living there, and uh, I just can't get to him. You know, it was surrounded by fields, maybe just a few little acre uh, piece of timber. I was like, well, um, Jake, that's how it usually is. I said, when you find a big deer, you know, where he's maybe bedding this, I said, sometimes I want to cry because it's like, I know he's there, but I can't even, I can't set up on him. I can't get to him. The thermal's right. The wind's right. He can hear me coming, this and that. He's like, no way he like was laughing he's like are you serious he's like i thought i was just my case i had here that's why i called you i didn't know this was something that happened and this is how they were i'm like no this is how they when you find them you you can't get to them i said you got a tough situation he's playing there and he could i said but that's how they Oh man, I had no clue. I thought I was just dealing with this smart deer, and it just happened to be that he was in an area that I couldn't get to. Him. I said, "No, that's where they live when you can't get to." Them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got it now. Yeah, you know it was funny, Johnny. I'd say hunt, hunting big bucks is more like a game of cinch than poker because it it only takes one good hand to get them to win. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that. Wow, Mason. You know, I thought I was just about to compliment Johnny that that was something I hadn't heard because he always comes up with these new sayings that are like really relatable that bring back regular life. But I think Mason one upped you there. Yeah, with, with if, the you don't, if you comment. don't have enough chips, you can't go all in. I know. You still have chips left. Yeah. That might even be the title of the podcast Hunting Big Bucks, like playing cinch. Yeah. That's right. I ain't ever played cinch, so I don't know. I, I don't really know how to play. I've played, but I don't really know. So. So I'm still getting back at you for that ricochet comment. Last I forgot year. all about that. I mean, I'm moved <laughs> on, Mason. I mean, we're bros. <laughs> He's holding a grudge on me, and you know, I just I've been yeah. I've been stomping around my house thinking about it all year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even remember, honestly. All yeah. year has been bothering. Yeah, Every time been... I run into him, he's like, yeah. yeah. I can't wait till we have another podcast. I'm going to get back at him. Yeah, he's been thinking about that comment all year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Yeah, but he, he he went out and and got it done on his buck last year. So you would have thought that would have been enough, you know, yeah. payback. But I guess not. <laughs> but all right, so I I was asking some questions to um some people on Instagram about like the rut and stuff, and just I love seeing like where I get you know say a hundred messages coming back and seeing the trends and questions. One big one was about the rut specifically is like what you consider a rut funnel 
and like what where you want to sit you know like thinking of november specifically like what what do you consider a place that you want to sit all day that you would consider like a funnel for the deer is it does does it you know is that necessarily like where terrain is pinching them down or vegetation or is it none of that and it's just something else what do you i see all you guys kind of stewing around here thinking yeah. does anybody have something that comes to mind uh, terrain is a big one for me you know you, you you know you know everybody knows saddles and that is a travel area um but you get these subtle saddles that maybe aren't so obvious and uh or not even really that wide um you know you know if it's going from one one valley and you know transition into another valley over the top um that's to me it has been a um uh, one of the target spots i guess that i i look at you know put boots on the ground whether you roll it out or end up sitting there is you know you have to you have to look at it and see what what signs there i guess um and then uh the creek bottoms which are all you know difficult to hunt um you got to play the thermals you got to play the you know depending on how uh sharp the, the the hillside is or how wide the valley is uh what you can get away with but i i do like my my bottoms um but um well, what do you what do you think about the bottoms like just anywhere in the creek bottom or why do no you think i'm looking i'm looking where uh, different valleys meet you know a hub yeah uh, and uh and there's usually a community scrape in that area uh typically um you know you know pretty much um where you find a community scrape is their travel area whether it's in the bottom or up top or wherever it is um if you got a scrape that's being worked uh every year and you know good sized licking branches busted off or multiple scrapes within a um you know 10 yard area then you definitely know that's a travel zone and um you can set off you know set up off of that if you can't actually hunt that particular one because of the, the wind direction but um you know playing off of that and you know, looking for the sign leading into it, uh, out of it, uh, whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, terrain features is 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 a big one, um, and uh, where the does are, the other part of it. You know, um, you know, I'm talking with the, with the scrapes is leading up to the rut. You know, which they they still check them throughout the you know when they're on lockdown and doing the breed, you know maintenance breeding. But um, it seems like the you know that's the transition areas or going where the does are. You know where the does are. That's going to attract the bucks. So you know, just you know, take a note of your does throughout the summer and the fall, and you know, concentrating on that. Yeah. What about you, Mason? Do you do you pay attention to terrain or any or any sort of vegetation as far as like your rut setups? Yeah, I'd, I'd say a lot of the stuff I look at is pretty pretty similar to to what he just said. The one one setup I I really like during the rut too, especially especially like the when you think they're chasing is uh getting on the downwind side of a of a, a doe bedding area like say there you know where some does are bedding in a in a clear cut yeah if you can get on the downwind side of that where it meets the edge of a steep hill or something that's just like a classic spot i always feel feel good about spending spending the whole day in mm-hmm, that makes sense well i'm shooting a new bow this year and i am pumped after playing around with a buddy's hoy rx8 the smile on my face made the decision for me. The first thing I noticed with the new Hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like I prefer. I outfitted my own RX-8 with the inline accessories that made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Go Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs 
to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stock just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter Show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at themobilehuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Yeah. What about you, John? Well, I was thinking about up here, everything Joe kind of talks about, but also now that, man, there's not as much terrain in some of these areas, um, starting to be a lot of roads. I'm just trying to, I'm finding areas in between roads, like a seam where you got a road here and maybe another oil well road, 100 yards or so, you know, where the deer might want to sneak right through there, you know, and then access is a issue. You can even be laying there to where um, any vehicle comes up the road, he knows, so you might have to park a little ways down the road. But if you got two roads, you know, the way these oil well roads are here, you might just have to get in between one where you feel like he's... So it's like a road funnel. Like you almost would think that'd be like the same thing as if you had like a, a cut and a creek, you know, and you have a side yeah. hill. It's like it's kind of acts as the same thing. Yeah. pressure funnel. Yeah, yeah, it's a pressure. Yeah, funnel. yeah. So I kind of look at them as like a seam, like two things meet. Here's this road here, and in between. But uh, also a place I'm looking at in Ohio, I think I'm onto a good deer is um, just in between two kind of what they were saying, but close to two bedding doe areas you know mm-hmm. to where he can an older more lazy deer that is really uh not lazy but just smart and efficient to where um this one area i'm hunting it's kind of like i feel like he's hanging out here and he got a thicket down in here and one here and there's feet out on a point to where i could just see him just like a, this triangle you know and just mm-hmm. being close to all them does without having to go the transition areas yeah yep definitely yeah no that that makes sense. And like, I, yeah, I think it definitely comes down to, for me, depending on the area, whether it's a spot that has a lot of terrain or doesn't, because those are two completely different animals. And I think areas that don't have a lot of terrain are, are honestly kind of harder as yeah. far as like finding those, what those funnels are. Like if I'm going to a place where I don't know, if I'm going out of state and I don't have a whole lot of experience, I'm not a hundred percent sure where the does are bedding. Like I obviously want to find them when I get there, but what I'm marking on Spartan Forge and I'm looking for are those traditional, you know, like terrain funnels to start. And then I overlay the map with the vet, you know, with the trees on to see if there's like what Mason talked about, say a side hill that pinches against a clear cut or hemlocks or something that gives like that breakup in all of that stuff. But in areas that I know well, personally, I just... I try to find the does first and now I look at it from more of a micro level of like, what's the best path from point A to point B where they mm-hmm. feel safe. And it might be just this little ditch that kind of runs through and runs, you know, between these areas or 
or the edge of a, a cut and then you know more so i'm finding with these with the cuts it's like i need to be able to shoot to the interior of that thick stuff versus just on the edge like and there's always a lot a lot of times there stands on the edge already you know it's, you got to think a little bit outside the box and how you can you know get in there and and be able to access it but i, I i've found like i mean for me, I like benches a lot that, mm-hmm. that I can find a good bench that's, that's in between s- something, you know, at the top of a draw like that, that to me is like a, especially you get to a place that has like some real good terrain, uh, differentiators there and you got a steep draw that's coming up and a trail around the top, like a ring, you know, a trail that goes over it, man, I love sitting those mm-hmm. like, and that's a spot for me that. I don't even care to be there first thing in the morning. That's like a middle of the day because they're cruising between doe bedding areas. There's not normally deer laying there unless it's thick and choked with mountain laurel or something that it might be a bedding area too. But you know, most of the time that's, that's kind of like, that's a really good all day spot. I'm thinking of how they're getting from, you know, point A to point B, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's kind of how I look at, at those places. And then like the creek bottoms, just like, you said and obviously i learned that from you is like those places where you find those scrapes and that just has things that all meet at one spot and, you know and 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 honestly another uh area that i would consider a funnel that a lot of time has to do with terrain and vegetation but sometimes it doesn't is just finding area where there's a lot of trails that intersect mm-hmm. you know just yeah and sometimes it doesn't makes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from like it's not this giant terrain feature that just funnels them down it's just like there's a lot of doe trails that kind of come across here and it's you know that seems like a good place for a buck to set check if he's looking for a hot doe mm-hmm. and just you know setting up on those types of things especially in the subtle terrain areas where there's not a whole lot of steep ridges and hills like that to me it's like that's kind of a a no-brainer and a lot of times that's in the center of a clear cut even Mm -hmm. you know it's like they're they're crossing because they don't just always run the outside edge around the outside of the cut you know they're like i need to get over there i'm just gonna go right through it you know and yeah and follow some logging roads or trails or whatever you know that's what i try to think about when i'm when i'm looking for these spots and i mean like you know, for as long as I've hunted, I'm sure you guys are in the same, same boat, like coming to this year, I don't really have like, I don't have one spot that I'm like, man, I'm, I can't wait to sit there for five days. Like I don't have that right, right <laughs> yeah. now. And it's like, I'm still, even though I have, I have all these spots, but I need to see what it's looking like at that time of year to, you know, make that decision and go. Yeah, you got to get that feeling. You got to get that. Yeah. You got to get that, that it, feeling. Kind of like everybody's saying, like we're into second going into third week and we're all still scouting we're, yeah, we're all we're, still looking. we're in that anxious state yeah you know, what what's going to turn up or what but that, like i just told you like as i say don't stop you know just, like that's what we're you know yeah. things change and keep checking but you're not raping the woods you're you're probing you're just going in you know yeah. where you can check your cameras you're not going into the middle of a doe bed and area check yeah. camera you know what i mean Johnny. What is that? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I mean, you're 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 scouting these areas with like mindful of how you're you're getting your cameras, and this time of year we're, we're not like like summer or sp- spring scouting where you just maybe go anywhere, you know? That right? Yes. We kind of got a you know a, a plan in mind to to attack these cameras. We're always watching the wind, and it's not just and even maybe even where we park next, because we're just trying to learn as much as we can but not 
ruin it because this could be a spot that we're hunting. So you got to be mindful of what what you're doing right now, even though we're all doing it. We're scouting, you know. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, talk about. Uh, sorry, you can go ahead. No, no yeah, you, know, you need like these doe bedding areas. You know, if you know where the does are hanging out, where they're feeding, and that, um, you may not be able to hunt that until a certain wind, mm-hmm. or you may have multiple locations where any wind is good around that area. You know, depending on thermals but most of the time it's one wind that you can hunt it's a certain area and you wait for that time you don't yeah. push you know you might push it a little bit as far as like a crosswind um but there, there's a lot of times you, you just got to pick your time to go in there you know based off the wind direction yeah and it might be like we got all these spots but you know might you you might only hunt it one time so you right. need all these spots or then if you do mess it up or you bump the deer then that one's done or someone else moves and that's why you just need a i think that's what i was telling you in a text like have a lot of spots and yeah you know but you do but and you have know. a list you know of your locations and what wind directions do work for that because mm-hmm. in the heat of the moment or i guess when it's starting to get into the heat of the rut you know your your mind just starts scrambling it starts, yeah, and it, yeah. it, it, it helps to pull that note out and say Same. oh okay it's a northeast wind today or tomorrow you know, yeah this is now you just narrowed your 10 spots down to maybe two yeah yeah it'll help you out you know or or whatever you can narrow it down and then concentrate on those couple and then when you have these spots then you could you can hunt it on a certain weather you know a certain wind a certain this or that you know to and then like joe said you end up narrowing your 20 spots down to yeah four or five you know oh yeah exactly like you you just made like a a really good point like in addition to just what the wind direction is look at wind speed it's like all right we get a over 10 mile per hour wind i'm probably not going to hunt in the bottom because it's going to get really swirly and weird down there you know so it's like okay that i'm going to cross those areas off and i'm looking like yeah you have 30 spots and it's like okay now i'm narrowed down to three of them now making the decision between those three is not always the easiest thing yeah. and you're in the truck and you're white knuckling like do i make a right <laughs> do i make a left you know what are you gonna do but mm-hmm. it's yeah. it does help kind of get you rolling through that and uh but and i i think you know johnny i think like what you said about like us you know scouting 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 going forward like i think that's that should make people feel better that feel like they're lost at this point yeah. and being able to go because all of us are in that yeah, same we're, position yeah, we're all, and we're we all lost at this point. And, and, and I think every, I mean, and then pretty rare you can be really confident going into the rut because everything's changing. So it's yeah. like, it's very situational on what, what is happening at that point and moving on it. And then all of a sudden works out and then, then you act like you knew the whole Even time. Now it's changing from what I did early, I almost summer in the just, turning into fall early season but in another thing I, I had all these spots i was able to in in the hot weather i was able to pick okay where can i go where it's cool for a deer you know may i'd like to even hunt midday because I, I know he's going to be close so you get all these spots you know not talking about pre-rut or rut but i had enough spots and i can say okay I, there was a lot of east wind this year where can i go okay um i want to catch him return into a bed on the east wind or southwest i want to catch him leaving his bed you know and i want to catch him in a midday where's it going to be it's going to be 80 degrees and it helped me having all these spots i had i was really focused on early season but and then it was able to okay well i only got three spots to go or two spots because of what's going on you know but yeah yeah and that that's what helps when you're not chasing a, a, a specific deer of like being like i don't know i feel like that makes it like i like that aspect of it it's from this you know this respect of Okay, you're just going off of what 
all right, here's what the environment's giving me right now. I just make a decision based off of that. And it might be 20 miles this way. It might be 30 miles that way. But in your case, Johnny might be a whole nother state, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and being able to do that. And one other thing that someone brought up, and I really liked this question was because this is something that, that I've, I've made work. And I, I think positively on, I remember one time I want to say the hunt was like in 2015 or 16, um, there was an area I was talking to you, dad, that I was hunting and I knew does bedded in his blowdowns, but I was like, I don't think I can get in there without blowing them out. And it's like, do you still hunt it? You know, during the rut, it's like, do you just, mm-hmm. you know, if you blow out these does and, and you were like, yeah, I mean, go, I mean, the bucks are going to think that they're laying there and come, you know, come look. And I've, I've taken that with me from this point, you know, forward. Mm-hmm. Like, if I blow out some does, I'm really not that concerned. Right. Like, obviously, I don't, I'm not trying to, but, like, yeah. I'm, I, don't, I don't get worked up if I blow out some does because those bucks know where those does are bedding and they're yeah. just coming to check those, those areas. No, you're not, you're obviously not going to want to go in there and blow them out three days in a row. They're probably not going to, you know, be there and eventually that'll, you know, carry over. But I think you're good for a few days of, mm-hmm. of being able to do that. What are, what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, yeah, that, that's, I think you're better off being, being all up in it like that than, than being not in the action, you know? Yeah. Snorts that, and stuff that, that don't scare. No, that just, I think I've seen all of us have encounters where you heard deer snort and blow for a while and then finally it leaves. And then 10 minutes later, here comes a buck through. Even during a ride, I've seen a doe snort and a buck come running like where she at, you know, looking yeah. like throwing caution in the wind and just, Hey, we, there's a we deer saw over that there. trail camera video. <clears throat> I don't know if I showed you guys that I had last year, that big 10 that I was mm-hmm. hunting. So at the time this goes out, the video from last year, will talk about that a little bit but this buck this giant deer i've been hunting for three years day before rifle season opened he's chasing a doe coming across my camera and i had it on audio and she turned she turned snorted at him and he just got all riled up like Mm -hmm. that was that was normal you know that Mm -hmm. she was like basically get away from me kind of and snorting at him and there was a train of bucks coming behind you know so like i don't think that that that's you know especially during the rut and bucks heads are a little bit wonky at that point you know yeah. they hear that snore they're like doe yeah i gotta go yeah anything can happen not you know maybe i don't know maybe it probably affects them a little bit more in the early season you know they hear a snort in danger you know they're, tur- they're turned on a little bit smarter with yeah. their senses at, at that point is that something you guys would think about adding your call arsenal snorting i i, I blow back at a deer if i hear them blowing I do the same exact thing, yeah. Yeah. I've never tried it. Yeah, me either. Yeah. I, I yeah. It's actually I don't I don't I am interested to hear what you say, Dad, but like when I've done it, what they'll do is they'll, they'll kinda get like, What the hell? Like they're like then they blow back and I I just mimic exactly yeah. what they do back and forth. And sometimes that'll calm them right down. Sometimes it doesn't matter and they're gone. But like yeah. I, I will do that any time a deer snorts at me. It's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Make the snort call. <laughs> don't don't be telling those kinds. Went of on a market the podcast. We'll talk about this afterwards. You somehow modify the water bottle for that. <laughs> yeah. Multiple use. I could like water ball bottle slash snort call. Yeah. Okay, like we could probably do a combo. I take, like it. Take a drink. <laughs> 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 yeah. Hey, don't. Don't uh, don't knock it. That might be something. 
out there in our rut uh, snorting yeah, all day. I, I think there's going to have to be some. There's going to have to be some type of. Um, you know, manual with this, to when to use it, when not yeah. to use it. Yeah, whatever, instructions. whatever company came out with like that scrape tree that you put in food plots would probably come out with something like that. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to get it trademarked. I got a couple of scrape trees. I carry them up in a forest and plastic trees. Oh, yeah. You know, I got a half dozen of them. Yeah, you don't, you don't got enough beach trees around. You got to <laughs> yeah. carry a mock one up. Yeah. <laughs> I could see you doing that. Yeah. Oh man, what do you so? All right, what are your thoughts on on decoys? I, I they they could be really good and they could really hurt you. I've had uh, real good success, and I had them just. Uh, I've had, well, I guess I got I got uh, I got the the doe decoy and a, a buck decoy, the fresh the Montana decoys, the freshman buck, and then the the doe decoy, and sometimes the. If the buck's just cruising by himself and he sees the, the the buck decoy, he may come right in to fight it. Um, but if there's a doe being chased and she's coming and sees that de- buck decoy, I've had him skirt around me, and then the buck's following her. So there's no shot. Yeah. So it can help, but it can hurt. I mean, that's my experience with it. Um, I've had I, – I've sprayed them. I usually spray them both down with uh, – um, buck yarn instead of doe I, I, I never have any luck with the doe yarn it seems like it I, I get deer that spook but with the buck yarn it seems like it works but i've had a buck level both of my decoys because of that <laughs> you know it was, it was in the gray light and, and uh he come right under my tree and he just tore up my decoys flattened them both and uh wasn't wow. a shooter which it wasn't light enough to shoot anyways but uh i had to get back down and set him back up <laughs> <laughs> funny i get about halfway down the tree and it's like wait a minute i went back up lowered my bow down yeah locked an arrow just in case he yeah. was still hanging around close because you don't know they're that state of mind they yeah might come rip you up too yeah <laughs> with with those with those spots are like what makes you take a decoy versus not taking the decoy i, I don't know i mean it's, it's probably um where there's a good visual for them um you know, I'm just trying to think of some of my situations. Um, sometimes I I have them in my pack, but I may never set it up. I just it's just a feeling for me, I guess. If I think it's going to work, or if, you know, I, I I don't know. It's it's more of a situational, but I, I'm not sure if I can put it into words right now. To I I can think of a, a few uh, encounters I've had where it's like it's like a more open area, and they're they're skirting me like too like too far to shoot, and I'll try and call at them and. The, the buck will stop and look down, but he's like, he's on a mission. He kind of knows where he wants to go and mm-hmm. he just kind of keeps going. I always wondered like if I had a decoy up with that, it changed that situation. Yeah. And, and I think like for me, you know, you're talking about those unhuntable spots, but you might be able to get 80 yards off and be in a huntable location. But you know, if you can get that decoy and a visual of that spot, you know, that, that, those are the types of areas I think about when I'm using decoy or if I'm in an opening, um, where it's like, okay, especially I think Crick bottoms, it seems like when I bring decoys quite a bit, because, you know, sometimes, especially hemlock ones, you can't see up the hill, but they can see down underneath the hemlock. So it's like, you might have something cruising it. You Mm -hmm. can't even see. So it's like, if I have that visual, that, that decoy down there, and I, I usually carry a doe decoy versus the buck. I have both of them Mm -hmm. and I know you care. You seem to use the buck more than the doe. Yeah. Um, 
but like that's the and and I guess the other question for you would be is like how do you face that decoy? Does that just all depend on where you want them to get a visual, or do you like make it so it's quarter and you know away or two or whatever? Uh, I I think I have it to where it's maybe like facing directly at me so that they get the whole side view of it, and I'm not looking at the side of the deer because if they're coming the way I expect them to come you want to be able to see it mm-hmm. um now as far as like it used to be i used to was primary at the buck decoy but when i had several chases and the doe skirted them i've changed my thinking and and more set on the doe decoy and then once again situational like the, the buck i did shoot last year i just had the doe, doe decoy set out i don't know if it helped or not um he come into a grunt and he come right to my scent wick between me and the decoy and I shot him. Um, you know, I don't even know if he's seen the doe decoy, to be honest with you. He may have, but he didn't react to it. He didn't go straight to it. Yeah. He, he actually come to my scent wick before he, you know, when he went to it, I don't know. But um, so, I mean, my thinking kind of changes on that year to year. You know, if I get burned or not, or if it helps me, then it's like, oh, yeah, this is the best thing. <laughs> and then the next time you put it out, it, it screws it all up for you. Yeah. So, and I, I think the timing, uh, to me, um, like this time of the year, I think it's a little too early for a decoy, in my opinion. I could be totally wrong on that. Um, I've never had any luck early season. It's more during so, yeah, the rut. Yeah, middle of October is too early yeah. for it. I mean, that just, but um, I, I guess I've tried and just had never had any positive experience. I guess I, I never had negative either, though. Uh, but uh, I don't I don't use it early season like this or mid, you know, mid-October. I'd, I'd be curious to hear what's what's everybody's moves in the next next five five to seven days here. What's, what's the game Boots plan? Boots on the ground, maybe maybe a little bit of hunting in the morning, evening, and man, check areas that I don't have cameras, previous historical areas that I know good deer are in there. Anyways, like you said, like a good thirty class mass eight or something. I'm gonna you know now I got some bigger ones, but. And I like to shoot something, so just keep maybe hunt till noon, ten, and um, ten to twelve or something in the morning. If I feel like I got a decent spot, do some hiking, you know, and then get back in there for the evening. But uh, move some cameras around. I might even I might be here just three days and leave and come back and and let them soak for four or five days. Or, or if I'm seeing on to something I like, and the next day or so, my scouting, maybe I'll stay a little longer. So, yeah. And do you, um, um, I guess like, what was I gonna say with that? I don't know. I guess Mason, let's transition to you while I'm thinking of my thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, like Johnny. I'm kind of, I'm just checking out my spots right now. Boots on the ground. If I, if I had some some more days off than just Saturdays, I'd be doing exactly what Johnny said. I'd be, I love mornings. That's, that's my favorite time to hunt. I'd, I'd be hunting mornings until 10 or whenever I thought I, I sat long enough. And then I'd, I'd spend the the middle of the day to, through into the afternoon, just kind of walking around putting boots on the ground. And I might sit the afternoons or I might kind of just, you know, recharge and recharge and hunt again the next morning. But I, I'd be I'd be covering I'd be covering ground right now, trying to set myself up for later. Yeah, no, that makes sense, Dad. I, I, I'm with these guys. I'd be checking cameras. I'd be checking new spots. Um, 
uh with you know if it's if it's a rainy day doing a lot of boots on, boots on the ground still hunting and looking for a hot sign and if you find a hot sign you know hopefully give it you know either set up on it that evening or immediately if you have your you know saddle with you and uh, or the next day and you know looking for a hot sign and you know I'm, I'm i'm thinking back over the years you know it's 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 you know i've seen them scrapes ripped up october 23rd and and bucks rutting october 23rd mm -hmm. you know uh, you know um you know they're starting to come in there and uh i think that's that from that time to the first of november is 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 golden for us uh, to search i guess you know you get those you know those, uh few doe coming in and a lot of bucks around where later on where you got a larger group and then it's it's they're all kind of on lockdown but uh no i guess in the next five seven days you know boots on the ground finding a hot sign and checking cameras i, I think if you find the right spot too like you you got to put some time into it too like yeah that you just made me think of actually tonight which i it's pretty fresh in my mind i probably should have thought about it earlier it was uh you know, I, I, I'm, I'm finding some of that fresh sign tonight and it's, I'm looking at it. It's like, I don't know how to, as much as I like mornings, I, I don't think you can hunt this, this spot for a, mm -hmm. uh, for a morning just cause the, the way your access is, I feel like who knows where the deer are, you know, when you're walking in and it's, 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 I just feel like they, they'd hear you or see you or, or something getting in there, but it sets up perfect for an afternoon stand. And I was, I was scouting around and, and, uh, I was like, I found some nice scrapes and, and it's like, he's climbing up this, this point there's, and it's, it's gradual. It's not steep or anything. And it's a smaller, it's a smaller hill and he's just coming up this point and, and laying down some scrapes going up the point and, you know, a little rub here, a little rub there. And I found, uh, I found a, a bed maybe two, 250 yards away from here Two maybe probably 200, 200 yards away. And I, I found the bed. I'm like, pretty big bed but you know there's nothing here that's telling me that this is this is a buck and then i started looking around harder and you can see some rubs leaving that bed and i was like this kind of sets up perfect for an afternoon stand where this is something i can crawl up here right after work with when i have an hour and a half or, or two hours to hunt maybe if i can leave a little bit early and uh i'm probably i'm gonna throw some sits at, at that spot and just see what what it is nothing was telling me it's a, it's a real big buck there but it, it's worth throwing some afternoon sits mm -hmm. at i think yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't dedicate, uh, dedicated a day off to it, but if I can get in there just real quick after work, it's, I think it's worth sitting. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like for me right now, and, and I know, so this podcast isn't coming out till Halloween, so it's, it's going to be a little bit past information, but just thinking about like, to me, it's all weather based as far as a lot of sitting right now. Like I'm looking at, again, we're, I think Monday is looking like it's, it's, it's a, you know, five days out now, so that could change, but it's looking like, you know, high in the fifth or low fifties, uh, low in the, in the round freezing frosty morning. I'm like, I need to find a hot sign yeah. to sit that day. Yeah. Like I need to be Sunday there. looks good too. Sunday obviously always looks good in Pennsylvania when you can't hunt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it seriously does. It always rains all day Saturday. Mm -hmm. Sunday's perfect. Yeah. But for me this time of year is like the end of October kind of going into it's just like I'm just I just want to be moving until I find the good stuff and and then you know I'm you know might sit a little bit but I'm a little bit more just kind of freelancing around and moving and and doing things then 
then when it comes to, you know, I, I feel like as it gets to that Halloween time frame on, I feel like I am sitting more than I'm moving at that point. Hopefully I have my homework done and, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking for those, those deer to transition a little bit, a little yeah, bit more. Time will fly here now. I, I do have a couple areas that I'm going to kind of zone in on, you know, based off of the, the fawns I had, you know, when they mm-hmm. were born and going back to 200 days and it, it's looking like, you know, these, these deer were bred, you know, uh, you know, the early, I guess yeah. this, this, this third week of October. Yeah. So, you know, those, those still alive, you know, they could be dead or whatever, but, but so I am going to concentrate on some of them areas. I have two of them, uh, identified this year for that. Um, will pan out. Who knows? I know last year we had that cold front, like. 17 18 19 mm-hmm. and that was i think you know those came in maybe around the 20th in my area that was i'd say there was a few that popped off right right there and it was man pretty pretty hot you know so i mean having that type of information though i think um helps um yeah maybe narrow some spots down yeah, definitely um, yeah, you can get some deer con- bucks concentrated in that area. I think. I mean, from from I heard, and I don't know, you know, you know, they should come in every year at the same time. Yeah, those. So, yeah, that's what I thought too. But I think, like Bo said, if if you can cherry pick the days, I mean, as you're scouting around, you find the hot sign. Make sure you're there. Get, give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd be looking at. What is the weather like the next two days? It's supposed to be rainy, wet? I can't hunt it, so I haven't looked at it. Oh. Yeah, same here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, John. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to drive back to some civilization, get the weather report. Yeah, I do. I think it's gonna be a little bit wet. It's good, like Joe. He always good with steel hunting, so it might be something. I might have to do here. Yeah. Tomorrow, you know, at least take the saddle. I think. I got oh, I, three of them twenty-inch sticks. I did have an encounter. That uh, what day was it? I don't know. Was it Saturday? Maybe I was still hunting because it was it was raining. Yeah, it was Saturday. It rained all day, but it wasn't like a torrential downpour. But it was it was it rained. So I was still hunting, checking cameras, and um, I seen a, a deer out front. You know, probably his first spot is about thirty-five yards away. So I started when it was perfect crosswind. Started stalking up on it. And Christ, the brows on them were like, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And I'm getting closer and getting closer, and but no main beams. Yeah. <laughs> Just a big spike. <laughs> but I did, I did practice my stalking strategy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got within 20. I was probably like 18 before he finally blew out. And I, I, I could have I could have put an arrow on it if it would have been cool. a shooter. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, so I did have uh, one encounter with a buck so far this year, as far as uh, one of those 11 pointers. Yeah, 11 pointer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.